Welcome to I Sleep Great, a non-parent's guide to parenting. Having a child is, of course, wonderful. It's also all-consuming. So at what point do new parents get to take time for themselves? To remember that there is still an individual in there with hopes and passions and a life of their own. Allie Wolf is here today to help me with that question. She's the host of Mom's Calling, a podcast that explores the issues, challenges, sacrifices, and accomplishments of women pursuing successful and fulfilling careers. On today's episode, we discuss her early career as a television news anchor, how we're all works in progress, and the importance of self-care, something Nurture the Next takes very seriously. They like to encourage parents to put their mask on first, while working to ensure that they get the support they need, be it diapers and wipes, a pediatrician, or a therapist. So, it's a relevant conversation, and one that I hope you enjoy. Now, please welcome Allie. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I am well. We're doing this remote. We're both in Nashville, Allie, but you are in Brentwood. Is that correct? Yes, I'm in Brentwood and every mom can probably relate. Just getting the child taken care of and getting out of the house is difficult. So I appreciate your flexibility. So Allie, can you kind of tell us who it is you are, who I am speaking with today? I am a mom to a 15-month-old daughter. I host a podcast called Mom's Calling. I also have an Etsy shop and have been doing kind of my own thing. But previously, my background is I was a broadcast journalist for about a decade. I was a writer, producer, reporter, anchor, podcaster. And that's where my heart is, is in journalism. And since being a mom, I found a way to pivot and still do what I love without being out on the streets, reporting on lots of crazy stuff. You and I are both journalists in a way, exploring the world of parenthood. You just actually have the credentials to do it, essentially. Honestly, the crazy thing about being a parent is they don't give you a test. They don't give you any training. You have to figure it out as you go. So I very much feel like I am figuring it out as I go. But yes, I am in it. We are in the toddler stage right now. So I survived having an infant. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It definitely adds a lot of crazy to your life, but the love and all the benefits make up for it. Uh, daughter? Yes, little girl. Mm -hmm. What's her name? Her name's Valerie. Valerie. I like that. Yeah. I like that. The podcast is called Mom's Calling. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the podcast? What it's about, who you've interviewed? Yeah. So basically, just to give you an idea of the inspiration, since becoming a mom, I was sort of obsessed with this idea of how moms make it work and have this fulfilling career or business, but also juggle motherhood. Personally, it was too hard for me to think about going back into the world of TV news. And I wanted to have a job that gave me this lifestyle where I can still spend time with my daughter. So I interview moms and experts who can either help us navigate the crazy world of motherhood or who have done it and shown an example of this inspirational way that they've created their lives as either an entrepreneur or a sleep coach who's also an entrepreneur, but also a mom. So all of these stories and examples that us moms can learn from and get inspired and feel connected that we are all going through this together. And really it's for that mom that wants to find a way to restructure her life to make it work. Personally, I've interviewed a lot of moms who wanted more. So 
by that, I mean, they want to be fully present as mothers, but also to have that flexibility of having their own business where they can pursue their passions and make it work. So I've interviewed a social worker who wanted to give up going in every day and working in a hospital. So she had a private practice and created an online business out of it. I've interviewed sleep coaches or a pediatric nurse who shared her expertise, but also created a business. So she's now training other nurses and offering postpartum care to moms. So really it's all about finding creative ways to pursue your passion in your career as a mom and make it work for your lifestyle. And not giving up just because you now have a the new title, the new role of parent, not giving up who you are as an individual. The idea is anybody that can make us feel like, hey, I can do that or spark that inspiration and that motivation of I'm not alone in feeling this way. And here's an example of another mom or expert who has done something that I can learn from, because I know for me, I felt very alone in my head in this world of becoming a mom, figuring it out and feeling like I was the only one who felt like they had to change their whole life and not really knowing which direction to go in. So do you think your audience, obviously your audience are new parents, new moms, but in addition to that, are they new moms who are feeling, I don't know if lost is the right word, but like they've had their child and now they're like seeking something more. Is that about, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's dreamers who are looking for inspiration. I think that it's for women who want to live full lives as mothers. And I think there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. And if being a stay-at-home mom and spending all day with your child makes you happy and brings you joy, that is amazing. But if you want to add something else, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a career, but add something else for you, that's who it's for. And that's me. And that's what I want to hear. So I hope that it gives people inspiration and connection and also maybe some ideas. Because if somebody has a totally different interest, I just want these stories to be examples of something to aspire to and to see that it's possible. So your guests have run the gamut and they're providing inspiration to your listeners. But you're talking to these people. I'm sure they're saying probably a lot of the same things. What are some of the big takeaways or lessons you've learned so far from these folks you've spoken with? Honestly, the biggest lesson is that nobody has it figured out. Everybody is struggling through one aspect of their life. And so it's nearly impossible to have everything ticked at once between your house, your income, your job, your family life. We only have so much energy and we only have so much capacity to really nurture all these different areas. Everybody's working on one. Everyone's working towards something. And so I think that it breaks that barrier of, oh, that mom has it all together. Yeah. She's really figured out her career. She is this calm, perfect mom. None of us are. And that's yeah. my biggest lesson that I've learned from medical doctors, parenting experts, everyone. We're all just trying to figure it out. Everyone's trying to figure it out. I like one of our earlier guests on this podcast, Dr. Rosemary Hunter said, which is give yourself grace, which is probably for that reason. You can't tick off all the boxes. We are all works in progress. We are not completed art pieces. I just thought mm -hmm. of that on the spot. And how boring. No, I love that. That's great. And like, how boring would it be? I mean, if I look at a perfect art piece, it's not as interesting as if you look at, isn't that why the Mona Lisa is so interesting is because there's these little nuances. That's what makes us unique. And I think that those tough experiences and working through the other side of them, it makes you interesting and it makes life interesting. 
I wouldn't want all the answers right now, even though things get hard and messy. <laughs> and I think you, you look at the Mona Lisa too, and she doesn't look like she has it all together. Like she's got like a kind of a smile, but not a real smile. There's a little pain and consternation behind those eyes. And you can tell she doesn't know what she's doing. Let's talk about you a little bit more. Okay. And just what was going on with you? You, you had your daughter, Valerie, and suddenly you've have this whole new life. You're a parent now, you're a mom, but there was like a, a scrambling that went on, I think is the word you used off camera. Is that right? Yeah. So I guess I'll back up. So when I was a TV news reporter, I sprinted out of college into this world of TV news. So I don't know, what do you picture when you picture a TV news reporter or anchor? Just out of curiosity, what their life is like. Always in a rain jacket, always on the scene reporting in the rain for reasons unknown outside a shopping mall. But what do I actually think? I think frenetic. Yeah, you were in the field, right? Yeah. So I was in the field. I was an anchor and I was a reporter. When I was in Sacramento and San Francisco, I was a fill-in anchor, but I was a mainly a field reporter. But in Sacramento, I was a weekend anchor, weekday reporter. So I was in big cities in California, chasing storms, wearing that big jacket, telling people there's a really bad storm right now. Stay inside as yeah. I'm wobbling to stand with the wind thrashing me left and right. And I'm sitting there just kind of wondering, is this what I want to do? Ticking in the back of my mind, this is pre-kids, this is pre, you know, even the thought of getting pregnant. So essentially, I was just career obsessed. And I was in this industry that expected me to drop everything. If right. there is a storm, a big crime, and you want that, you need that. But I also wanted a family and I wanted a lifestyle where I could enjoy my life. And so I burnt myself out. I got completely burned out and I left and decided I wanted to take a couple months off, but then I got pregnant and then this pandemic happened. And so it ended up being an extended break and a blessing in retrospect because it forced me to figure out who I really am as I was welcoming this child into my world. That's great. So what was the light bulb idea to start the podcast? When did that happen? Yeah. So I remember I had already left my job and thinking I was on a sort of short term break from TV and I knew I was pregnant already. But the crazy thing about pregnancy is you're feeling your worst in those first weeks, but you can't tell anyone. So I remember sitting in my car and I had just walked through the first store looking at little baby clothes and thinking, I don't want to buy anything yet because I was terrified. And I thought, man, what am I going to do? And podcast was the first thing that came to my mind because I had a podcast previously at my TV station in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Mind you, it was about a serial killer, but I loved the craft and I loved the long form intimacy of being able to be raw and real and tell a story and really just like wipe off that veneer of what I was used to with TV news or just some interactions in life. I wanted real connection. And I right. thought, man, I feel overwhelmed by this world of becoming a mom. How could I create a podcast? So I shelved the idea for a while and I didn't start it until July of 2021. So my daughter was already like, I think nine months old when I started to really work on it. By the way, how does one navigate that on the resume and the, the LinkedIn description, like host of podcasts about serial killers, babies? Do you put them side by side? Do you not mention one of them? How do you do that? That's the thing I think that's tough. It's like when you think about 
becoming a mom in this career pivot, sometimes you need to explain your resume and you need to have a little more context. And I think that a lot of bad things have come out of this last two years, but I think that society in general is a little more understanding. We get the fact that life happens. We had something where children were home from school and parents had to watch their kids while they worked. So I think that people get that life changes and sometimes the circumstances in your world shift your priorities. And I think at the end of the day, if I'm explaining it to someone, it's still telling a story. I told a story about a serial killer, but I kind of use those same tactics and questions and curiosity to tell stories about mothers who are juggling all the things that mom life brings us. Ali, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit here. So here's the thing I'm I'm really interested in as a, a non-parent doing a podcast on new parents is, yes, how is it that one can maintain their identity, their sense of self in the wake of becoming a new parent? Because someone once told me that a lot of times if I say, well, who are you? The answer is always in relation to someone else. I'm a mother or I'm a, a husband to this person or I'm a lawyer. It's never I'm me. I'm this person. I guess what I'm interested in is the point at which you've had your child, you've had this baby, but you're also thinking, well, I can't neglect who I am and the things that I used to do before I had this child, be they career interests or hobbies or even like travel. Like I would love it if we could talk about travel a little bit and having these intentional experiences. Identity, I think, is such an interesting concept. And I didn't even think about it before having a child. And I think that there's a beautiful thing and a really, really hard thing that happened with that. The beautiful thing is having a child and leaving a career that I wrap myself around and my whole identity, it forced me to just blast everything away and think about who am I? Because I could have just taken, as parents, we could take our identity as our career. I'm a lawyer, I'm a reporter, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, and just replace that with I'm a mother or I'm a doctor and a mother. But I think for me, I didn't want to just replace it. I wanted to really give thought to it. And I think that I felt like I had to have something equally as large as right. my career. But I realized that it doesn't have to be like that and that it would be more interesting to have multiple facets of who I am. And so the way I think of it is... How do I create a life where I can be a mother, but have something where I pursue my creativity? You need to make money. You need to have an income and you want to feel useful. I think that feeling like you're responsible for something. And I think parenting, obviously you're responsible for your child, but you want to do something externally in the world. And so mm -hmm. I think there's all these different facets of who you are and how you show up in the world and just what's the structure that works for you. So basically my short answer to that is motherhood forced me to work on who I am as an identity and to realize it doesn't have to be something massive. It can be really simple as I care about the people around me and I want to be there for their emotional needs. And I am a creative person who needs to create to feel alive. And I've learned that personally, I need to be creating something to feel like myself. So it was a journey to get to that point. And I think it's going to be different for everyone, but yeah. leaving a job and becoming a mother, it really pushes you to that point to think about who am I and what really matters and what makes me feel alive and like myself. It's not black and white in a way. It's not just like you are a individual one day and now you are, you go through this door 
and you're a mother. No, you go through the door and a world of possibility, sort of what you're saying, can open up to you depending on how how you look at it and meet the occasion. I'm curious when, and this is unique to each new mother, new parent, but like, when is the point that you start to have these thoughts or you start to grapple with these questions? Because I would imagine you have the baby and you're like, oh boy, I have a baby. And the first couple months are navigating, how do we feed this thing? How do we get it on a sleep schedule? Like, at what point in new parenthood does one sit down one day and go, huh, I got to actually start thinking about these things? Or does it happen immediately? Well, I think that for not being a parent, I think you have a great understanding of the fact that it's not just a light bulb goes on. Thank you. It's not just, I'm going to flip this switch and I'm going to be me before, and I'm just going to continue my life, but add this baby. It's not just, here's me, here's my life. Here's this baby on top as an extra layer. It's shifting everything. And I think that shift takes time. And I think that we need to understand that for me, I don't think that I'm done shifting everything and making it work because every stage that my daughter goes through, I have to then tweak things with my life, with just the day-to-day schedule or how much time I have to put into the projects I'm working on. For me personally, I am a little bit of an obsessive planner and like love being productive. And I think productivity can be just planning meals and cooking, or it can be launching a business. So my first thing that I did was I was like three months postpartum. I was wearing my daughter in one of those. Have you ever seen those little sling wraps with a baby, like a little koala? Yes. yes a yes. kangaroo maybe. Yeah. They're fun. So I would, yes. Yeah, so I had suddenly sitting there, I was getting a little bit more sleep. So you kind of have to give yourself maybe like two to three months to actually get like four hours of sleep, depending on your baby. Brain activity needs to return. Yes. Yes, Yes. exactly. So I was sitting in this rocking chair and I was stuck. My daughter was napping on me. You can only watch so much Netflix or go on Instagram for so long till you're like, okay, I need to think about something more productive. A lot of people go back to their office and go back to their office job. And it's not lost in me that I'm lucky that I did not have to do that. But I felt like I needed to launch something for my own well-being. It wasn't even, I need to make money, but I need to do something. Again, very fortunate to be in this situation, but I decided to create checklists and printable planners for pregnancy. And so that's the first thing I did was I opened an Etsy shop because I had all these checklists and did all this research for babies because my research as a journalist, I just switched it and did all this research for baby. And so I sold them. You know, what's funny about you just, you just uh, made me think of something. You use the word well-being. In a way, what we're talking about is self-care. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we would talk about self-care in this interview because I kind of figure, well, self-care is making sure that like Dr. Hunter said in episode one, give yourself grace, but this is a form of self-care, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the crazy thing is it took caring for another person for me to learn how to really care for myself. Uh And yeah, and I think that it really clicks when you think about it because as young adults, we're going through our lives and we're very selfish yet, we rarely stop to really think about what makes us tick and what makes us feel good. And when that's taken away from you and that this tiny human being forces you to basically keep them alive, you get little time to, to put back into yourself. And so when you get a little bit of time to put into yourself, how are you going to be really efficient with that? Right, and that's right. the lesson. Yeah. So I think that it can come in different forms. I think that, of course, giving yourself grace to me means 
don't put that pressure on yourself to think I need to have my self-care and my time to myself looking this way. Maybe some people want to sit in a bath with candles. Some people want to just cry in the shower. Some people want to take a power walk or work out to the point of sweating so hard. For me, it's kind of weird. Maybe I'm weird, but self-care really meant like I need to be productive and do something productive. And if it's creative, even better. Today, healthcare providers face a daunting task of caring for the health and well-being of others because resources and staff are stretched thin. At Saracor, we provide healthcare IT services that help empower clinical staff, providers, and hospital operators to focus on what they do best, patient care. Saracor has a heritage rooted in our nation's top performing hospitals. With more than 30 years of experience, we partner with hospitals and health systems to become an extension of their technology team. Our clinical and technical professionals work with care locations to provide comprehensive IT and application support, technical professional and managed services, IT advisory services, and EHR consulting. Visit us at seracore.net. That's C-E-R-E-C-O-R-E.net to learn how we help tackle tough IT challenges. At Seracore, we know firsthand the power that integrated technology has on patient care and communities. That's why healthcare IT is the core of what we do. I got to be honest, part of my interest in this topic is I'm just wondering when are my, I miss my friends. When are they going to realize that they can come out with me again or that we can go on vacation together? Do they even know that I'm here anymore? They're so focused on being parents right now that I, I, I just, I want my friends back, Allie. That wasn't so much a question as it was a cry for help. Yeah. And I totally get that. I really, coming from the parent's perspective, I used to think, I'm not going to be that parent who acts different and only has parent friends. But let me just tell you what nights are like when you have a baby. You are just marching through dinner time to bedtime. My husband and I are like just going through our routine because in order for me to stay sane, I need to sleep. And in order for me to sleep and have time to unwind, the baby needs to sleep. So if I go out at night, I'm going to totally mess that up. And so I don't have an answer for you, but all I know is your friend is trying to survive and maybe you need to hang out with them during the day and go for like a great lunch with them or drink during the day. They probably can't go out at night or maybe they can switch off with their spouse and whatever their situation is, but it's hard. They're not doing this to spite me, is what you're saying. Right. They're, they're, they're thinking they're the trying best. to survive. I just, I was, I don't know, maybe I was getting a little paranoid because before they started to have children, they started getting dogs and they know that I'm allergic to dogs. So it was kind of like, oh, we're phasing Ben out type deal. And, and maybe that wasn't how they looked at it. Maybe they just looked at it as we wanted to get a dog. But you, you can kind of see, right? Like you're a journalist, you can see I'm sort of building a story and a, a case here. There, there might be nothing to it, but... No, but I think that your friend still wants you, Ben, to say, hey, we used to love doing X, Y, or Z together. We used to love walking around Broadway and drinking beer and all the different bars. They still want to be invited to that. Even if the first five times you invite them, they say no, 
maybe on the sixth time they can make it work. And I think it's a lot more work as a friendship, but just like you want them to include you in their life, they really want to be included too, even if they can't make it. It's hard and it's a transition, but I think the real friendships can last. It's just life changes you sometimes, but they're still that same person. You can only invite your friends so many times. And and then it's like, I guess I'll go alone again. (laughs) Here's one that I think about, travel. Sometimes I think about it, the Dr. Seuss, oh, the places you'll someday go. That's like what it is for parents. Can parents, new parents, can they have these intentional experiences and take vacations with a child? I know that's a, (sighs) have you taken a vacation with Valerie? Let me tell you, we just went to San Diego. We were visiting my parents who still live there, but previously I really liked going to airports. It was kind of relaxing. I would get a drink in the airport bar. You know, you get through security, you just chill. You get on the plane, you have a book, a podcast with a kid. And maybe it's because I chose to go with a like a one-year-old early toddler. It is so not relaxing. We could not get her to sleep. She's crying. We are that person on the plane. She was okay, but she can't help the fact that she's she is one and she doesn't know that she's on a plane. Her ears feel weird. So suddenly flying, it's not like going on an airplane is relaxing. That little piece that you can get when you are on a plane and you can kind of be like, okay, I, I can escape a little bit, even though I'm cramped in this seat. But no, we're cramped in this seat with somebody screaming in our faces and we can't calm her down. So it is challenging. I do think it's worth it. I think my husband and I have yet to go on a trip without our daughter and let alone me go anywhere alone either. So it's tough. I think that every parent's different. Some parents will leave their kid with a grandparent or a babysitter and go for it. I think we are a little more, maybe more sheltered, um, maybe less fun, but we chose to live this lifestyle and we love it, but it has its challenges and its sacrifices. I miss pre-baby travel, but I also don't miss a lot about my life before. You know what I'm kind of realizing is like, you kind of have to accept that some parts of your old life pre-baby don't need to change. And and some of them just are going to change. Yeah. You can't just say, well, I, I had a baby now, but I still need to focus on, on me and develop myself and not think that they're just, there's a new normal now, basically. Yeah. I think that One of the things that I didn't realize that I struggled with was I missed some aspects of my old self. And I think it's okay to love your life with your child and love the fact that you're a parent and feel so, so grateful, but also feel a sense of loss. And I didn't even realize that would be a thing. But I think I miss traveling on my own, going to dinner and not having to rush home to give a baby a bath or set them down for bedtime. And I think it's okay to kind of mourn that loss that you will never get that back. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that's something that leads to a bit of anxiety, maybe even depression in some parents. And that's a serious issue. And I think that understanding that it's going to be the transition that you really nailed and saying that it's going to be a transition in adjusting and understanding that like there's parts of you that you won't get back, but you will also discover other parts of yourself that are beautiful and amazing. And it's sort of recognizing that the two go hand in hand and that's okay. 
Yeah. That were, that were maybe lying dormant. Yeah. It's really interesting because we're talking about gaining something beautiful. We're talking about gaining, but also loss, which is yeah. not something one necessarily thinks of when they bring a, a new child into their life. We're not trying to be prescriptive with this podcast, but do you think this is something that aspiring parents should be mindful of, of like, Hey, live your twenties, get certain things out of your system before you rush to have a child. That's probably not advice I should, but that's the, well, that came to I mind. think it's, I think it's definitely something that you hear. And one of the most annoying things that you hear, at least when you're pregnant and maybe I think men hear this too, but enjoy your sleep now. It's all going to change. Enjoy this. It's all going to change. But you know what? I'm going to be kind of devil's advocate and say, it's sort of blissful that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's very wise and smart to wait to be ready to have a child. But at the same time, there's never going to be a perfect time. It's never going to be that just the sky opens up and you're like, my time is now. Yes. There's a certain amount of like magic and outside force of just, you never know, and you make it work. And so I think that if somebody had told me the good and the bad, it might've scared me because I'm such a planner. So I think there is a certain level of, you're going to learn lessons. And sometimes knowing the lessons that are coming is not helpful. And that experiencing your life in all of the good and bad that are coming at you without warning is sometimes the beautiful part that you can't plan. And I think also everyone's experience is going to be different. So someone listening to this and hearing the things that I struggled with, that may not even happen to somebody else, but it will probably be something different. It's so unique to every different person. I think some of what I experienced was unique to me, but we're all going to have our own transformation when we become parents. And so I think warning people is a little bit of a projection sometimes. Of course, there are facts, but it's just different for everyone, you know? I think that's very well said. And now you've piqued my curiosity. Now I want to know, what are the other things people say to pregnant moms that are just the most annoying thing? I'm sure being like, do you have a name? What's the name? You're going to tell us the name? That's got to be a big one. What are some of the, it's off topic, but what are some of the other Oh, no, it's great. I think, you know, there's so much. Okay. So on one hand, there's some that are fun and whimsical, but everybody has their advice. And some of the advice is great. And some of the advice is really not helpful. Let's talk about the not helpful. I think telling somebody how they should feed their child and how they should put their child to sleep, all of these things that I think you have to kind of live it and go through it to figure it out. It's almost like you can't tell a kid not to do something because they might get hurt and scrape their knee. They're going to learn if they scrape their knee. So like, if you tell me I can't hold my baby and rock her before I put her down to sleep because she'll get attached to that. It's like, this mother has been through that and she learned that lesson through her experience. So she's going to take that learning and put it onto me, which seems to be helpful. But at the same time, I need to scrape my knee. Uh, Yes, exactly. So I need to learn that in order to really get it because that's what's going to make me figure out what works. So yeah, maybe that's not the most specific example, but that idea of, I think my biggest thing is enjoy X because it's going to change. Because like, if I told you, enjoy the fact that you can sleep until nine because you're not going to be able to. Well, you don't know what it's like to have a kid that gets you up at six. So you can't enjoy it because you're still the same you right now. Right. And I'm like, I would just be like, this isn't helpful. What was up? 
get out of my house. You know, that would be yeah. the, the thing. I, I know. I totally hear what you're saying. And anytime somebody's going to say, enjoy this, that's not helpful. <laughs> that's also just an annoying, uh, that's an annoying thing. That's like the type of person that comes into like a board meeting or something. And it's just like, are we having fun yet? You know, like yeah. that person that type asked that it's like, I hate, I don't like you. Everyone knows that person. Or another one is that you're either too big or too small when you're pregnant is like a big thing or that your baby is like too big or too small. So anything related to size, don't go there. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. <laughs> the whole body and like what your body goes through. And maybe this is TMI for you, but like the woman's body, it's like such a miracle that all of a sudden, like the body that you have had for 20, 30 years suddenly like has this baby growing in it. And I know at the end I felt so huge and so uncomfortable. I remember walking around Seattle one day and this was like two days before giving birth. And I'm like, I look like a freak. Like, how do they let me out of the house? I was like trying to find a bathroom. And I'm like, I must look like such a crazy person. Then after the baby, not even to mention just all the crazy changes that go on. Yeah. You think about your body so differently. And then it definitely, it looks different, but it feels different too. And course, it's amazing yeah. and also so uncomfortable, but these are the things we go through. No, it's not TMI. <laughs> I guess I didn't get to the TMI part yet. I kept it tame. Like I didn't talk about the milk and the boobs and everything. So <laughs> no, I think that's, it's easy to be like, oh, the, the body, it just rises like a croissant, but no, it's a... <laughs> It is. I've never thought of that analogy before. I don't think anyone yeah. is going to subscribe to that. But yeah, that's an unnatural thing, I would imagine, for a woman to to just be like, I'm holding a child in this huge expanded stomach. I, I'm not putting it well, but I can imagine the discomfort and walking around and, and feeling in your words uh, like a, a freak. It's tough, but I think everyone deals with that experience differently, too. Allie, this has been awesome. We've, we've gone in a bunch of different areas. You said so many really cool things. I want to bring it back to the idea of maintaining a sense of self, a sense of identity in the wake of new parenthood. Any more kind of thoughts on that? I think my advice that I wish I learned earlier is ask for help so you can free up a little bit of time. Figure out where in your day you have that freedom, whether you're working a full-time job, at home with your baby all day, whether you have a partner, a parent, or you have to pay somebody to come into your house and into your life to help, find a way, even if it's 15 minutes to an hour, once a week, twice a week, find some time that's purely for you. Learn to not obsess about your child during that time and think of what is going to enhance your life. Maybe it's just going to make you happy or maybe it's going to be a step towards a goal of yours, but ask for help in creating that and get somebody to hold you accountable that you need that time. Because I think that everybody's going to have something different that makes them feel alive and makes them feel like themselves. And we can't be good parents unless we feel like we are whole people. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest tip is just think about what makes you excited and don't judge it. Just allow it to happen. What makes you excited without judgment? Maybe it's baking cookies. That's great. Bake cookies. Don't judge yourself. That's my biggest tip. It took me a while to realize that the most important part is not judging what you do, but really making sure it makes you feel like you. And that yes. is my biggest tip. I love it. I love it. Allie Wolf, thank you so much. Where can folks 
check out the podcast, Mom's Calling. Mom's Calling podcast is on all podcast platforms, Instagram, Allie Wolf on Facebook, all over the place, all over social media. And yeah, love to connect with other moms. So feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or just want to say hi. Awesome. This is great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I Sleep Great, a non-parent's guide to parenting, sponsored by Nurture the Next and Saracore. To learn more, please visit nurturethenext.org and follow I Sleep Great on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.